You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exorcise the demons of another doomed season. I have exorcised the demons. This house is clear. Coming to you live here on a merry, merry Christmas evening. It is the Huddle Up Podcast, simulcasting on YouTube, on Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are looking forward to it. People think, what are you doing podcasting? It's Christmas. You should be spending time with your family. You should be just chilling and watching, you know, Elf for Christmas vacation or something. Die hard. Dude, we want to talk some football. Let's do this. Merry Christmas, bro. How's your Christmas been? Good. Merry Christmas to you. My Christmas was good. I spent it with my mom today. And, uh, you know, it's all about family these holidays. It's the most important thing in the world, at least to me. So I had a good holiday. But we have this demand for this pod today, Chad. We asked the other day if any Broncos fans would tune in tonight. And we got a steady stream of yes, yes, please go live, please go live. So um, we're excited to be back tonight and talk more Broncos football. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. It's been a fun day with family and, and opening gifts and the whole spirit of Christmas. We watched movies. We hung out. We played with the toys and the gifts that came. And so now I'm ready to kind of shift focus a little bit and talk some Broncos football. Of course, the Broncos, they were active today. They did practice today. They didn't have any media availability, but they did practice because they've got one last game here on the schedule. And we're going to talk about a few of these players that are poised after this game to be unrestricted free agents. But first I wanted to see two quick topics guys, and then we'll, we'll get to the meat and potatoes of today's pod and uh, welcome in everybody. Glenn, Kristen, Dre, Larry, Travis, Buona Beast, Josh, J bar. Happy holidays guys. To each and every one of you. Yes. Um, So we got a couple of different topics we want to get to today, but the first thing I wanted to, Oh, well actually, you know, what am I doing here? Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. You guys at huddle up pod. Simple, easy, best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And that's where I'm going to leave it for right now. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. 
They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Drew Locke is now 3-1 as a starter. He has the chance to finish his rookie season Four and one as a starter if the Denver Broncos can take down the Oakland Raiders at home this coming Sunday in the season finale. Make sure you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Each and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy new users, make sure you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. OVERTIME. Zach, I want to talk about Jawan James. What he, his, he went on record yesterday talking about his injury for the first time publicly. We got to hear from Jawan James. But really quickly, first though, a very quick aside. C.J. Anderson says he's done with ball. He's done playing. He tried out for the Seattle Seahawks. They ended up signing Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin, as you said, getting the band back together. And he said, you know what? I'm done. Is is the NFL going to be missing out on anything here with C.J. calling it a career? He was a good workhorse back in his prime, Chad. I mean, he meant a lot to the Broncos championship team, but there's a, a time and a place for every player in the NFL, and I think his time has come and gone, and uh, he doesn't fit the the modern NFL system. It's all about speed, and it's all about elusiveness now, and he just doesn't have that. He's a plotter. He's a three-yard, four-yard per carry guy and fall down on the turf. So he was good while he lasted, but everyone has, I think, their limit in the NFL, and I think he finally uh, reached his. And I think a lot of it, is what he said stemmed from disrespect over the Seahawks, I guess, slighting him over Lynch and Turbin. Yeah, making promises and then not following through and stuff that happens behind the scenes. But you know what's crazy to think about C.J. Anderson? As you said, big-time contributor to the World Championship Super Bowl 50 team, and he'll always have that, and he's got his ring. And the crazy thing about him, though, is only 1,000-yard season as a Bronco, and the Broncos paid him. He only had 1,000-yard mm. season as a Bronco, came after Super Bowl 50, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2017 off the top of my head. Kind of interesting, even though his breakout year, which was 2014, down the stretch, when is which is when he emerged, he went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage and double-digit touchdowns. Everyone was like, whoa, who is this dude? Okay. And then uh, 2015, he still couldn't win the, the starter job. Ronnie Hillman got the job under Gary Kubiak. 
And uh, he eventually became the man final quarter of the season down the stretch. And then the Broncos rode him offensively through the playoffs. Of course, the defense did all the damage, but CJ was basically the focal point of the offense Win the Super Bowl. Broncos end up paying him. I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do. Maybe they should have just let him sign with the Dolphins who, right. who offered him that, that sign sheet. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, I think they kind of overspent for a, a, a plotting early down back. But like as one of the comments said, he proved that he was good with the Rams. He proved that he was good with the Lions. I mean, he had a pretty successful career. He won a ring. He made a lot of money. Always a good teammate. Always a good uh, guy in the community, a big fan favorite. So, I mean, there's been a lot worse careers in the NFL, a lot better ones too. But I, I have to give it to CJ for sticking true to himself and deciding to walk away in his own time rather than kind of extending these one-year prove-it deals over and over kind of just going on the next chapter of his life guys the spirit of christmas i want to keep it but this thing is too hot i gotta take <laughs> that hat off okay put on this hat there we go speaking of the spirit of christmas tg jumping in with a five dollar donation Thank on you, super TG. chat appreciate you he says cd lamb if you guys have ties with elway let him know lol yeah i mean cd lamb would be a great fit for the broncos i mean it all comes down to where the broncos are selecting ultimately in round one what your top priorities are, and what the right value is. I still am holding out hope that an Andrew Thomas or a Tristan Wirfs might be there. But I doubt, honestly, Zach, the quick, the farther, or I should say the closer we get to the offseason, the more I doubt that the Broncos are actually thinking OT in round one because I think they've once again convinced themselves that everything's, you know, Garrett Bowles is turning a corner, everything's working with Munchak. Next year, they'll have Juwan James healthy, which we'll talk about next, and a Garrett Bowles. They can afford to not so much kick the offensive tackle can down the road, but not necessarily prioritize round one. And if that's the thinking, if that is ultimately how they rationalize this coming draft, yeah, you're going to have a, a C.D. Lamb. I mean, he, that could be an option. I really hope, though, the Broncos don't box themselves into a corner and go into the draft with an already set, uh, you know, proposition in mind as to who they want to draft. They cannot go for need. They have to go best player available. Whether that's a Jerry Judy, whether that's a, a, a Worfs or a Thomas, they have to let the board fall to them. I'm still of the opinion, considering Garrett Bowles is Bowles, considering Juwan James is unreliable, and Juwan James, you can't rely on them solely in a big fully starting season for Drew Locke. 2020 is such a crucial year for this franchise with Locke under center, and they have to do every single thing in their power to protect him and build him up and enable him. I don't know going with the tackles they have now was the right move. I'm still of the opinion if they can get one in the draft, they should look for that, but let the board fall to them if possible. While we are on the topic of tackles, though, Again, Juwan James, I'm sure most of you saw this yesterday. It was Christmas Eve. I'm sure a lot of you were with your families and traveling and doing Christmas stuff. But I doubt this made it past the majority of you. He went on record for the first time to speak since his injury. <clears throat> and what he had to say, I want to quote him here verbatim, and then I want to get your take on it. It kind of contradicts in a, in a way what the Broncos have told us because the Broncos told us leading up to – the Texans game that he had been cleared for like three weeks. They slow rolled it. They slow rolled it. They slow rolled it. Finally. Yeah. He's going to play, but he's going to be on a pitch count. He ends up playing that whole first half. And then of course we haven't seen him since as, er, as late as Monday, Vic Fangio was still saying that James was in play for week 17 for the season finale. However, I don't think that's going to happen. Here's what James told Nikki Jabala of the <clears throat> athletic yesterday. Quote, I tore some ligaments in my, in my knee the first game of the season. I was working back to get it healed 
came back for the Colts game and ended up re-injuring it. I retore all the scar tissue that was healing and then ended up tearing part of my meniscus. They said <clears throat> it wouldn't be that serious, but when I was out there, even at practice trying to come back, my knee was buckling on me. It was just weak because the ligaments weren't strong. So then I practiced. I think it was for two weeks to try to get back and get ready for the Houston game. The plan going into it was to play for the half, and I ended up playing the half, but all through, especially the second quarter, my knee was just giving out on me. So after talking to the coaches and trainers and stuff like that, and the second opinion with the doctor, and he was like, hey, man, we don't feel you'll need surgery, but the doctor said before that if you put a brace on it, you should be all right, but you went out in the Colts game and kind of retore some stuff. So he said, your ligaments need time to heal. So I'm just really trying to get this healed so I don't have to worry about it in the offseason and next year so that next season I can be fully healthy and put this behind me, closed quote. Zach, we were told it was a sprained knee from week one. He's telling us he tore ligaments in his knee. What gives? I'm kind of torn here, uh, no pun intended. I, I think James, considering his his reputation in Miami as being an injury milker and being someone who's perpetually hurt, I could see him extend. He got his big payday. I can see him for sure extending this injury and kind of exaggerating, embellishing, not necessarily lying, but stretching the truth as to the severity of his injury. I can see that. But on the other hand, I don't really believe the Broncos at face value, considering how they mismanaged Bryce Callahan, how they basically lied about Drew Locke's injury or misled the public and kept him on IR and didn't really know when he was going to be back in play. I can see this going both ways, but considering we talked about this off air and you made a good point, nine times out of ten, the NFL team is lying. The player is usually honest, and considering he had details there from the doctor and he's getting so in-depth, I would lean toward Juwan James, but I think both are complicit in what's happened this year. The Broncos for giving that big contract and and – and and keeping the option alive for him to play. Why even Fangio's going up there and saying he can play on two torn ligaments or even after not playing this entire season? I just I could see it both, but I'm not totally sure. And that's what I'm saying is I think somewhere there's a disconnect because the Broncos would not keep him in the wind, let alone keep him on the 53-man roster. You wouldn't have Vic Fangio saying as late as Monday that he's in play for the season finale if he was really dealing with two torn ligaments, especially right. the contract they signed him to, you want to protect the investment. You want to hedge against these remaining three years on his deal and try and get the best possible player you can. If his knee was really that tore up, I don't think the Bronx would be trifling right now. I think they would have put him on IR, called it a, you know, hey, man, injury bugs. What are you going to do? Charge it to the game. We'll get him next year type deal. So I'm really curious to see where this goes I'm sure Vic Fangio will be asked about it when he meets with the media tomorrow on Thursday. And even if he chooses not to elucidate on the topic, I'm betting that John Elway will address it in his end of season presser next week. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think it's as is the case in most situations where you got a, he said, she said, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Uh, but as Buana B says, it's a good point. Why did they wait until the last week of the season to finally put James in front of the media? Why did they have him face the music with only one week to go? And, he, and even if he doesn't play this week, then the season's over. They don't have to meet the media any longer. That would suggest to me the Broncos are playing a game here with Juwan James' injury. And I would tend to think, considering Drew Locke, like I said, considering Bryce Callahan, they haven't been 100% honest. And knowing Elway specifically, the way he plays his cards close to his chest— I can see him, you know, extending this out. Not to, to contradict you, but for what it's worth, we don't know. He wasn't on the podium. Yesterday was an open locker room day. And so 
in those situations, media, you walk in, you got players, you know, milling about, they're at their lockers, they're coming back and forth, they're getting dressed, they're doing this. You try and catch whoever you can. And in that situation, they got in front of Joan James. And that's it's kind of like the stars align perfectly. I don't necessarily think it was the team making him available. In fact, they're probably thinking to themselves, man, how come you didn't beeline it out of the locker room after practice like you normally do, man? Why'd you got to linger and, and talk to the media? This is the last thing we need. But either way, it doesn't matter whether the Broncos meant for him to talk or not. It's ultimately contradictory of the messaging overall we've gotten from Fangio throughout this season. And it will be interesting to see how he addresses it Probably tomorrow he's going to be asked. We got some super chats, uh, some superstars here on super chat. We got to get to our friend Larry jumps in with a ten dollar donation. Merry Christmas to everyone. Also saw guys like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are expecting Henry Ruggs to run in the four twos. If he does, do the Broncos grab him? Even trade up for him? No, I don't think you're going to see John Elway orchestrate a trade up for anything other than a quarterback, and they're not going quarterback. So. And you know what? Especially if it's in the top 10, cost of doing business for a trade up there, Zach, too much. I'm out. I'm taking what I can where I'm at. But that doesn't mean that I'm not interested in a guy like Ruggs or a guy like C.D. Lamb. More often than not, though, these these draft Knicks, when they, they predict these 4-2 type of sensational, you know, it's hyperbole, guys. Like, how often is, has anyone ever ran a 4-2 at the combine? I know it's low 4-3s. Um, what did Chris Johnson run? I I know that was broken by John uh, Ross, if I'm not mistaken, at the Combine. Either way, I doubt he runs a 4-2, but he's probably going to run a really low 4-3. And plus, you know, you got to take with a grain of salt what they say on December in December for a draft that's going to be held in April. So many things can change, and it's just one man's opinion. That being said, like Chad mentioned, it's a non-premium position. It's not a quarterback. It's not a left tackle. It's not a cornerback. It's not a pass rusher. They have a number one wide receiver. They can use another one, but I don't see Elway surrendering capital, which he guards like gold, to to go get a wide receiver in a fairly heavy class. They need one, not that badly. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Erica Mandy from the Newsworthy Podcast, where we break down all the day's news in less than 10 minutes. And we know right now all the COVID-19 news coverage can feel a bit overwhelming. Our goal is to keep you updated in a way that gives you the facts and need-to-know information without causing unnecessary panic. We give you the serious stuff and the actions we all need to be taking, but we also remind you about the positive, all in 10 minutes each weekday. Just search for The Newsworthy in your podcast app or go to thenewsworthy.com. That's thenewsworthy.com. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rico, Merry Christmas to you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Our good friend Dropped Your Pocket, one of our Super Chat superstars, jumps Thank in you. here with a $20 donation. Appreciate you, brother. Merry Christmas. That means a lot. He says, a little off subject, and I'm not sure the Chiefs' whole cap situation, but if I had one Christmas gift, it would be signing Chris Jones from the Chiefs, a little Neil Smith situation, over, uh, and then drafting Wurfs from Iowa. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love that too. Seriously, like, Chris Jones is next level. There's 
you know, we'll see what happens with, with Calais Campbell, whether or not <clears throat> Jacksonville ends up cutting him. But if I'm John Elway, dude, I'm throwing – knowing that I've got the trio of Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, and Adam Goss as hitting free agency, I'm going to try and keep Derek Wolf, and then I'm going to throw – everything I can dollars wise to get Chris Jones. Now, Chris Jones has said on Twitter, he doesn't want to come to Denver. Uh, nah, I'm good type thing with where he's at. But of course it's a rivalry. And for those of you who perhaps are missing what dropped your pocket saying, Neil Smith was a career. He was a defensive end for the chiefs for many, many years, bitter rival of the Denver Broncos. And when he hit free agency, right leading up to the 97 season, um, the Broncos signed him. And they went on to win back-to-back Super Bowls. So he was a career chief, but also a crucial part of the Broncos getting over the hump in 97 and then bringing home two world titles. I wouldn't – I mean, I'd love to see Chris Jones do do the same thing. And Worfs, I'm all for it. I just don't – I'm just not convinced yet from what I'm hearing and just the way I'm seeing it that the Broncos are thinking tackle in the first round. If this means sign Chris Jones and tra- and draft Tristan Works, I am all for that. You're shoring up the, the trenches, and they're two biggest needs, I think, going into 2020. So I am all for that. He's going to cost a lot of money, and I feel like the Broncos would first want to put that money toward, like Chad said, Wolf or Shelby Harris. I think Gottes is a goner regardless, but they have to do something to solidify those fr- trenches. They're not going to rely on Demarcus Walker. They're not going to rely solely on Draymond Jones. Akeem Hicks, Chris Jones, all for drafting Trist- Tristan Works. You're doing a lot of good for your team next year. Our next one here comes from Edward with a $2 donation. Thank on you, Super Edward. Chat. Thank you, buddy. He says, who do you think the Broncos should re-sign next year? Let's take a quick look. You know what, Zach? I'm going to do one of our share screens here. Bear with me one second, you guys. Hopefully you guys can read what I'm about to show you. If not, just listen to what I say here. Let's see. How does this look? Let me look at the screen here. Well, you might not be able to see it ideally but let me run down a list of pending unrestricted free agents for your denver broncos first and foremost you got chris harris jr Derek wolf you got shelby harris theo riddick the long snapper casey Kreider is an under uh, unrestricted free agent adam gotsis cyrus jones the corner jerry attachu Corey nelson justin simmons Devontae booker and then you get into the restricted free agents, many of whom the Broncos need to bring back, like Devontae Bosby, Connor McGovern. Is a, nope, Connor's unrestricted, obviously. There's a few more. Will Parks. Um, but that, that's mainly the unrestricted group. Now, Zach, of that group of players, who takes priority? Let's say one, two, and three. Who are the top three players if you're – helping to call shots in that front office that you're going to try and allocate some cap dollars to. Simmons by far and away is number one. I think number two for me, I think we might disagree here is Shelby Harris. He has the upside and the youth on his side over and not and the, the injury reputation as Derek Wolf. But failing that, I think Derek Wolf is number three. Get a guy that has career year under Vic Fangio back in the system. He wants to stay in Denver. I think he would take something like a hometown discount. He's not going to break the bank on the open market. I move on from Chris Harris Jr. I move on from Adam Gotsis, Devontae Booker, bring back Connor McGovern, but far and away, Chad. I think it's indisputable at this point, Justin Simmons top priority. Yeah, for me, it's got to be Justin Simmons. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to see what kind of money Wolf's looking for. I mean, if he thinks, you know, if he's trying to ask for 10 million a year plus, mm, I'm I'm maybe taking a harder look at Shelby, but 
Shelby Harris to me is is borderline. Like he's he's up there. But so it would go Simmons, Wolf, Chris Harris Jr. in a perfect world. I just don't think it's going to happen. Followed by Jeremiah Attachu, followed by Shelby Harris, hmm. followed by probably Connor McGovern. In that order, Devontae Booker, catch you on the flip flop, let him go. Later. Corey Nelson, see later. you later. Cyrus Jones, later. Done nothing, see ya. Casey Kreider will get re-signed to like a million dollar a year contract. Um, and then you get into the restricted free agents, which we don't really need to spend too much time on there. But yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. I think that's the biggest thing. And John Elway, there was a question here. I can't remember who it was from. But uh, John Elway, he, we were asked whether or not the franchise tag can be used on Justin Simmons. Yes, absolutely. And John Elway last week hinted on his appearance on KOA Radio, Zach, that you know, if worse comes to worse and they're unable to strike a deal in free agency or things get crazy in negotiations, the Broncos will franchise tag and they're not opposed to doing that by themselves more time to come to terms on a, on a long-term deal. I think what Elway saying there, and it's a, it's a positive thing, is that one way or the other, Simmons is going to wear a Broncos uniform in 2020, as he should. I mean, the Broncos will do anything in their power to keep him under contract. And I think it'll, I think a long-term deal is going to get done, Chad. Christy jumping in, one of our super chat superstars Thank you, with Christy. a $10 donation on Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Christy. We appreciate you so much. Stuart as well, jumping in, Thank $20 you, donation. So consistent. These two right here, Christy and Stu, keeping the, the lights the on best. almost single-handedly at uh, MHH headquarters. Appreciate you guys so much. And let me see what else we got here questions-wise. TG jumping back in. Thank you, brother. $5 Thank donation you, says – in my opinion, we can find really good value on the line in round two. Don't waste your first pick on one. Let me ask you this, Zach. With what you've seen from Garrett Bowles down the stretch, really, really good pass protection play, more than solid as a run blocker, but he's good for that one face palm penalty. You never know when it's going to come. How content are you with saying, you know what, we can get by knowing that Drew Locke's only been sacked three times in four games? We can get by with him at left tackle. We can allocate our resources elsewhere. What do you think to that notion? I, in a perfect world, maybe, but you literally cannot depend on the guy. I'm not even talking about a game, but snap-by-snap snap basis. You cannot depend on your quote-unquote franchise left tackle, a first-round draft pick. I would be content enough not to reach in the first round for a tackle, Chad, but the Broncos absolutely cannot go into 2020 with him and only him at left tackle. They need to bring in competition, maybe not as his replacement, but a guy in back him that can step in right away, preferably a young guy. I don't have a lot of faith in Garrett Bowles. I understand he's been playing a little better of late, but that's all relative. That's all relative to Garrett Bowles' standards. If he was playing like a first-round pick, none of this would fly to begin with. He needs to be consistent and not take points off the board, not hurt the offense at all. I like what I'm seeing, I guess, with the best line coach in the game. So, some of that's be, to be expected here. But I'm, I think I'm lower on Bowles than most other people, including you. I'm kind of, <clears throat> I'm kind of torn on the issue, to be honest with you. A few, just a matter of a couple of weeks ago, I was hell bent on you got to make tackle the number one priority, and I still think it needs to be a top priority. They need to be able to at least develop a viable backup and have someone to push and compete with Bowles. I'm just not sure it's a you know DefCon five need now, especially if you're going to be getting a healthy Juwan James back next year. You got Bowles, you got James. It's look, we'll see. I mean, it could have been an outlier, but if Jake Rogers ends up playing more again this week and plays as well as he did last week. You might already have your a viable swing guy next year. I'm just not convinced yet <clears throat> that it's a DEFCON need. Now, Buona Beast 
He says the Broncos are 100% not going to pick up Bowles' fifth-year option in 2020. It would be very ex- expensive, right? Yes, it would. I'm not sure the exact dollar figure right now off the top of my head, but they, it would have to be an average of the top 10 player paid players at the position. So they'd have to pony up. They're not I, – I mean, I'll be stunned, Zach, if the Broncos go ahead and extend that option. They have, I think, until – you know, somewhere in March might, might be actually closer to the draft. I'm not sure, but they got this spring to come to a decision on it. I'll be surprised if they extend the fifth year, but even if they don't Zach, it doesn't mean they're not thinking about keeping him here long-term and it doesn't mean they're not thinking about keeping him at left tackle as the starter. I think they'd be crazy to extend that before they see him play next year. I, this is his last chance, I think, in the Broncos, if they keep him at 2020 at left tackle, to see how he does and then go from there. I, I would not extend him before that. I don't trust him personally. I understand there's been a, a little incremental improvement, but can you really count on the guy? Is he your franchise left tackle? Is he going to be here three, five, seven, ten years down the road? Was Ryan Ramchick a better pick? I mean, these are all valid questions that we don't really know the answers to yet. Larry jumps back in with a $5 donation. Thank you, brother. He says, is Connor McGovern's value increased with the comfort factor that Locke has with him, especially with the Mizzou ties? That's a, that's a good point. You know, they do share that connection. I don't know. They seem – I'm kind of torn also on McGovern because, you know, you want your center supposed to be kind of a set-and-forget position that you can just count on consistent, you know, think Matt Paradis for all those years – Connor McGovern hasn't quite played at that level, but he hasn't been bad. Question is, what's his value going to be on the open market? I'm looking here at at Connor's contract currently. Let me find it here. I mean, he made 650k this year, and the going rate for well, let me pull it up for centers. I'll I'll tell you guys right now, the highest paid player that's hitting free agency next year or this spring. Whoop. Oh, I want all teams here. Bear with me one second. It's got to be probably around eight to ten million would be my guess. Yeah. So, is the I guess the question, Zach, is is Connor McGovern worth eight to ten million to you, considering that Missouri Missouri connection, or would you be okay with say, you know, the Broncos just letting him go and you know putting in Austin Schlotman or this new Pat guy? Uh, what's his last name? Morris. Morris. Morris? Yeah. Um, and letting him battle it out. I don't think the Missouri connection is solely worth the money, but I think that's the going rate for a center nowadays. You saw Matt Paradis coming off a bad ankle injury got from the Panthers. I, to keep a starter along the offensive line, you're going to have to pony up some money. So I think McGovern earned that on his own merit, not just because he knew Lockett, Missouri. He's gotten better as the season went on, a former guard playing center. Not the easiest transition here. He had some problems with shotgun snaps in the preseason, earlier in the, in the regular season. He settled down. I'm sure the familiarity helps. But I don't. I wouldn't pay him solely on that factor. I would keep him in the mix. Eight million, though, a little too rich for my blood, I think. Absolutely, Brian jumping in with a two dollar donation you, on super chat. Merry Christmas to you, brother. Matthias has a question: Are you guys going to make a seven round mock draft? Yeah, you know these are. This is a topic we've we've broached a few times in the last week or so. But we have some big plans. Um, Zach and I are going to be getting together tomorrow at some point to iron out some ideas and put a, a programming kind of schedule together for the off season. One of the things that is definitely going to be a part of that, maybe once a week, we'll see how we, how we do it is we're going to do live mock drafts. We can do a, we can use a simulator. We can share the screen like you guys have seen us do before. We can involve our listeners. We can involve especially our super chat donors 
and really make it fun. And, you know, all of our draft guys too, we can get, you know, Nick, Carl, Eric, Lance, those guys can get involved in it, use their expertise to make it as compelling, interesting, and knowledgeable, you know, of a, of a piece of content as possible. So those things are coming down the pike, but let, let me remind you, it's putting the cart before the horse. We're here to talk about anything and everything Broncos, but Zach, there's one more game left to play. Right. And even though the Broncos are out of it, you know, and you feel like, ah, eh, it's not too much to get excited about. A month from now, when you haven't seen your Broncos on the field That's right. for many weeks, you're going to be Jones and so appreciate what you got this week. Yeah, I was just going to say, Chad, that we've been really fixated on the Broncos in the here and now. The Drew Locke starting and how they can finish this season on a high note or what their record's going to be like or how Locke looks. We haven't turned the page totally to the draft just yet, the offseason, not even for agency. But when that comes, like Chad said, we plan on bringing special guests on, having some uh, roundtable, war room type mock draft. We have a lot of fun things brewing in 2020, so just stay tuned for that. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to grab you, Edward, one second. Thanks, David. Appreciate that, dog. <laughs> Edward, appreciate you even more, my friend. $5 donation you, on Super Chat. You think the Broncos will cut Flacco? Zach, is there any scenario in which you don't see the Denver Broncos cutting Flacco sometime between now and March? I don't – he's literally dead weight on the sidelines, on the salary cap. I, I don't see him staying in the Broncos uniform for much longer. So even though Elway has some fascination with older, tall, immobile quarterbacks – uh, he's done. They have the younger guys in the system, so he's not coming back, thankfully. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what? I wouldn't be opposed to the Broncos simply cutting bait with Joe Flacco and saying, you know what? Drew Locke's our guy. We know that Brandon Allen, we can get by with him in a pinch. He can be our veteran stopgap backup. We saw what he could do over three games. I mean, that first six quarters, I mean, that that three-game stretch, Zach, in which Brandon Allen had to start was a tale of two six-quarter sections of play. That first six quarters, phenomenal. Beat the the Browns in week nine, got out to a 20 to nothing lead over the Vikings at halftime. And then coming out of that halftime, dude, it was just the final six quarters all downhill. But still, I think the Broncos learned from that that in a in a in a pinch, you know, because if when it comes to a backup, it's not so much do you can you trust him to be the guy for an entire season. The way I look at it, anyway, I know in a perfect world you'd like him to be able to be an all season guy, but few and far but you know those guys are few and far between. In all reality, can you hold down the fort for between a one to three week stretch if my starter gets hurt? That's really what you got to look at. And I think they could. I think Brandon Allen, they could get by with him. And if something happened to Locke and he sprained a thumb in week two, and you yeah. know they need to get by till the bye or something, you know, three or two, three games. I don't think they need to go out and throw a lot of money. A, a Flacco, get him out of here. Done. He is going to be gone, you guys. 
but I don't think you need to go spend money on a, you know, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick type <clears throat> when you can keep Brandon Allen on the cheap and you know you've got a stopgap. And you can also see, Zach, what's going to happen with Brett Rippon. And here's my thing about Flacco, though. The only way he could stick around, the only value he has on this team is a mentor, quote-unquote, to Drew Locke. And he literally said, Flacco, he does not want to be a mentor. So he has no purpose on this team. And for my opinion, he has no purpose in the NFL. He needs to hang it up. Here's a good one here. I just passed it. Bear with me one second. Buona Beast. Whoops. Buona Beast. Could Tom Nalen play in today's NFL? Tom Nalen could absolutely. First of all, it's egregious that Tom Nalen is not in the Hall of Fame. But to answer the question, absolutely. But he would need to play on his own blocking. I mean, if he was in Minnesota, San Francisco, L.A. Rams, any of the zone-based West Coast offenses, absolutely. Tom Nalen could hold it down. I know he was, you know, lucky if he was 300 pounds soaking wet, even at the height of his of his career. But we're talking about a perennial pro bowler, multi-year all-pro, two-time Super Bowl world champion, blocked for a 2,000-yard rusher. Yeah, I think Tom Nalen could. Beast. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, 10 years ago, I, I'm not sure the exact year he retired, but I know he was around in 05 when the Broncos went to the AFC title game with Plummer and lost. I think 07 might have been his last year. I could pull it up on Wiki, but hasn't wasn't that long ago, Zach. The league hasn't changed that much since then. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of older players can't really transfer to the new age NFL, but that's not so difficult for linemen. I think for linemen, offensive linemen especially, even though the game is is more much more offensively geared and more penalties and more things going on now, you plug Tom Nalen into this Broncos line, he's a day one starter, and he'd be an upgrade on whoever uh, they're putting him and replacing him with. So a uh, great question. I absolutely agree. He can play in today's NFL. Brian, jumping back in, $5 donation. And Brian, by the way, dude, I never heard from you. Email me, milehighhuddle at gmail.com with your personal deets. We want to send some some swag out to you as a thank you for your support uh, for the show monetarily. You've been really consistent on Super Chat. He says, do you feel the same as I do that if the Broncos play like they did last week, we will lose versus the Raiders? No. I think if they – well, it depends on what phase. Special teams, if, if you have another lapse like you did last week, that might be a dagger too much to overcome, a bridge too far as they might say. But no, I think – I think the Broncos could beat the Raiders similarly to how they played last week, minus that punt return, Zach. So if, in other words, I could see the Raiders getting out to like a three or a seven point lead early, but we now know that Drew Locke can battle back. He's got that within him. He's not a just get out in front and ride the lightning guy. He he can battle back from adversity, both in the macro and micro sense, which was something that we needed to see from him. We hadn't really had that yet in his his sample size thus far. I will say that the Raiders are a better team than the Lions, and if the they're not the Chiefs though. If the Broncos played like they did last week against the Chiefs or, or the Patriots or whoever the Packers, they would lose. But if they can play about eighty-five, ninety percent of their game, they will beat the Raiders at home with Drew Locke. A whole different team, a whole different um complexity change. And Week One, the Raiders saw that game. So I think you're going to see a whole different team at home on end the season on a high note with Drew Locke on a winning streak. I think the Broncos do win this game, and I think they win it fairly handily, Chad. I'm not sure what he's talking about here. Did you see Flacco ignore Locke in the last game? The only interaction between those two I caught was when Locke was rushed off the field. You know, he ran off the field after a scramble, and Flacco's back was to the to the field. He was looking up basically at the crowd. 
and Locke plowed right into his back, and Locke had to literally grab him by the shoulders to keep him from going down, <laughs> which was the symbology there. The symbolism <laughs> there was so phenomenal. But I didn't see – other than that, there was the his first win, I think it was. Yeah, Locke's first win, beat the Chargers. He's celebrating on the field after the game. He He's running around. Flacco crosses his path. He goes to like give him five. Flacco leaves him hanging, doesn't acknowledge him. So Locke just pats him on the butt as he walks by. That's all I can think of. That's your mentor right there. That's that's your that's your you know understood quarterback. He wants no part of Drew Locke, and he admitted that when he got to the Broncos. I mean, for my for my opinion, I mean, he's been ignoring him since his since day one. All right, guys, let's grab one or two more, and then we're going to wish you a great rest of your Christmas. Jacob Smith jumping in. He says, "Merry Christmas, Broncos country. Beat the Raiders. Hashtag build." The nest. Amen to that. Uh, let me see here. Let me see what we got. Sean jumping in. What changes to the coaching staff would be beneficial to the Broncos next season? That's a good question. I think that if there's going to be a scapegoat for the Broncos, because there's no getting out of a failed se- or a, a losing season. Best case scenario, the Broncos finish seven and nine. That's below five hundred. If they're looking for a scapegoat, I could see Tom McMahon getting fired. And I could see the Broncos truly upgrading the team, the coaching staff, by finding someone else. I'm just not sure Fangio's going to do that. He's just not a scapegoat type of guy unless his hand is forced. He really, I think, do you think McMahon's done after this year, Zach? What do you think? I mean, I've leaned toward that in recent weeks. I know we kind of disagree on that, but I think there will be a scapegoat. It's still a non-winning record season. It's still a non-playoff season. They're going to make some changes, I feel. And if it's not... Uh, McMahon, it might be Lauren Landau. It's the only one I can really think of, Chad, on the on the on the Broncos staff. I think they're pretty well stocked everywhere else. For my money, though, you let up that long punt return touchdown. The special teams, aside from Spencer, hasn't been overwhelming. It hasn't been much better than it was before McMahon got there with Brock Olivo. I think he's he's a goner. I think I lean more on the side the Broncos will replace him. They got to do something. If not him, then definitely Wadman will fall on the sword for the season. Yeah, and that's the only that's the only place Zach and I differ on this topic. It's just that. I think the more likely scapegoat is going to be you're going to see Colby, Wad, Colby Wadman's head roll. They're going to sign someone else, one of these two punters they've worked out toward the tail end of this season or someone else they find or might have on their radar. you got to get Wadman out of here, though. I mean, they gave him two full seasons. He is a bottom five punter. He's been the epitome of inconsistent. And then you've got McMahon going to bat for him. All the while, the coverage units haven't been great. Last year, the coverage units weren't great. I don't know, dude. I, I'm, I'm not sure there's much left for McMahon. The question is, is Vic Fangio that type of guy? Or is he a guy that's ride or die with his coaching staff like, you know, Gary Kubiak was, for example? We don't know yet. This is his first year as a head coach. He's never fired anyone yet. It'll be interesting to see exactly how that shakes out. And then this last one from TG, jumping in with a $20 donation. TG, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Can't wait for your mock draft. Love you guys. Zach, quit hating on Gary Balls. <laughs> 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 some reputation I have between that and, and Flacco. Appreciate you, TG. Why don't yeah. you, uh, you should also reach out to us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com and let's send you a little Christmas. Thank you. But uh, I don't think we're necessarily hating on Garrett Bowles, Zach. I don't think you're hating on Garrett Bowles, but uh, 
that's the person that that's how TG's perception is of it anyway. I mean, people accuse me of hating on Vance Joseph. Look how that turned out. I, I just I, I reward and I praise people and, and players who deserve it. I just don't think Garrett Bowles deserves praise for playing OK for stretches at a time when he's your former first round pick. He's your potential franchise left tackle. I wouldn't praise the guy for not allowing a sack in a game or not allowing a holding penalty. You need and should demand much more than just average play. Edward jumping in again with a $2 donation. Thank you, Thanks, bro. He says, does Locke look like a young Manning or Elway? Are you talking in the literal sense? Because I don't think he resembles either one of those guys. <laughs> As a player, he's significantly more akin to Elway, the big toolsy, athletic, big arm guy. But he does have – like one of the things, I'll, I'll be honest, that has surprised me about Drew Locke thus far is that he's been a lot quicker – I think the building the Broncos guys were talking about this in today's podcast for those of you who listened on the RSS feed. I think his he's a lot farther along from a processing perspective, reading the field, making quick reads, making quick decisions than I expected him to, which is a little more akin to what you saw from Peyton Manning early on in his career as opposed to Elway, who was deer in the headlights as a rookie, big time. It's way far back in ancient history, so a lot of you probably don't remember, but if you were around back then, Elway's rookie year was not good. Even though he won his first two starts, he was – questionable to say the least Locke, though this is why i think what fangio was saying about how it was a blessing in disguise his 10-week exile ended up helping him a lot from a processing perspective i think there's some truth to that i mean if between the two i would say that Locke is more elway considering they're both gunslingers and and manning was a much more cerebral quarterback than i think Locke will ever be there's only one paint manning only one john elway but he's more of a gunslinger type and also elway had some mobility in his prime i mean he wasn't just a stone cold pocket passer and you can see what drew Locke can do but i think more in the new age scheme of the jay cutlers or the the sam darnold's tony romo type brett Favre, even the gunslinging types who just make plays and win by being themselves, by having their own type of game, their own type of play, I wouldn't compare him to be the next Elway, the next Peyton Manning. He is the next Drew Locke. That's how I want to look at him. I want to set those, that bar for him right there and not make it too uh, too much pressure packed. Well said. Well said. And as we wish you guys a great rest of your Christmas, there's a couple things to look forward to in Sunday's season finale. From historical perspectives, I wrote about this in a couple of stories on milehighhuddle.com today, one of which is Drew Locke. Well, first of all, he became the first Broncos rookie quarterback ever to win three of his first four starts. So that's something. Now, if he wins, where is it here? He needs, if he wins against Oakland, he will become just the third quarterback in team history to win four of his first five career starts. Only two other quarterbacks have done it. One of them's name is Norris Weiss back in 78, 79. Who do you think the other one is, Zach? Just a wild guess. Won four of his first five games. Uh, I got no idea. I really don't. Trevor Simeon, 26. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's a historical precedent, something to look forward to. I think it's a good harbinger for Drew Locke's, you know, what 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 awaits in his career if he can finish this season four and one as a starter. And then also the other thing to keep to keep an eye out on is Philip Lindsay, who is 42 rushing yards away from a thousand. If he hits that, Zach, he'll be the first undrafted, former undrafted player in NFL history to eclipse a thousand yard rushing in his first two seasons. And then he'll also join Bobby Humphrey, Terrell Davis, and Clinton Portis as the only Broncos in history to produce back-to-back 
thousand yard rushing season. So let's hope those big boys up front get out there for Philip Lindsay. He didn't make a Pro Bowl this year, but that would be a nice consolation prize for him. And look at how they would be going out. They'd be going out with their young quarterback on a winning streak, setting records, and their young running back having 2,000-yard seasons in a row. That young nucleus of talent is so evident in Denver between him and Fan and Sutton. They have a very bright future, and once they put it all together, we'll be back in the playoffs. Harry, I was just about to wish you guys a, a good evening, but you jumped in, showed us some love. we got to address this. Thank you, Harry. $10 donation. Appreciate you. He says, would you guys take a running back in the third or fourth round and re-sign Theo Riddick? We do need more receiving th- out of the backfield. Absolutely, the Broncos do need that. That was another good point that Nick and Carl made on today's Building the Broncos. They need more of a pass-catching threat out of the backfield. And it's not just yeah. someone who can catch a pass like Royce Freeman, but a player who can work in the open field and pick up those yards off after a catch. Think Austin Eckler with the Chargers, Okay. Theo Riddick, in a perfect world, that's what they were hoping he was going to bring to the table. But it turns out, dude was made of glass. Kevin Hogan got him hurt, cost the Broncos two and a half million bucks. Take a running back in the third or fourth and re-sign Theo Riddick. I could live with it. I don't think running back is a dire need for the Denver Broncos. Would depend on what Theo Riddick is looking for financially, but I wouldn't be opposed to it, Zach. I don't really understand the fascination with Theo Riddick. He's a very average pass-catching back who's an injury-prone guy, and he ended his season in Denver injury injured. So um, I wouldn't take a running back before the fourth round. I think the third is still too high for them. They still have Lindsey and Freeman, but you're right. They do need a pass-catching back. You can upgrade on, on Theo Riddick, though. You can get any dime a dozen running back in the draft or on the free agent market to fill that role, and I think they will. But Theo Riddick, for my money, they tried it, didn't work out. Catch you later. By the way, let us congratulate Lance Sanderson, of course, an analyst at milehighhuddle.com and one of the co-hosts of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. He is just found out very recently that he is going to be a father next year. Nice. So congratulations Congrats, to you, Lance. That's a, uh, that's a cool way to spend your Christmas and look forward to 2020. The biggest gift of all. The gift that keeps on giving, Clark. Listen up, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this unique Christmas episode of the Huddle Up podcast. You guys, especially our super chat superstars, you guys, we appreciate you so much for keeping the lights on. Each and every every time, dude, me and Zach are completely floored and blown away by your support for the show. And for those of you joining us tonight, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, being a part of this conversation live, keeping the comment stream hot participating in this and making it a compelling conversation is why Zach and I, you know, penciled out some time to come on and, and take care of this and talk to you guys tonight. So appreciate each and every one of you. And, and Zach, of course you as well, my brother for making some time on a holiday. Of course, you as well. And, uh, you know, we talk about it, Chad and I, after every single podcast, we talk about how appreciative we are, and we're just blown away by the support, financial and otherwise, that we receive from you guys. And to join us on Christmas night, it means the world to us. Please have that the rest of your great day. Have happy holidays. Merry New Year. And hope to bring it in with the Broncos win this Sunday. Shreyas, it's all good, brother. You're forgiven. And, uh, of course, you can check out the the podcast after the fact on YouTube, Facebook, or on the podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. But, yes, we will be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. So we'll look forward to seeing you there, 6 p.m. East uh, Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way. Keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, here on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. 
myself at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget, take some time if you haven't done this. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the show. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. That's a great organic way to help support the show and get the Huddle Up podcast out to new fans, new listeners. Helps helps with reach on Apple Podcasts when you uh, rate and and uh, give us a five-star rating. So also enters you into our drawing. Get a hat, get a shirt like Zach's wearing. We'll, uh, we'll announce that next week at some point, Zach, for, for the month of yep. December. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And Zach, my brother, you have a great rest of your night. And we'll well. talk to you guys tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on YouTube and Facebook. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.